Hashtag you don't have to be Jewish. It is a 7.20. I'm Howard Feldman. Good morning. Dr. Carl is our science communicator. We chat to him every Wednesday at this time. Good morning, Dr. Carl. How are you doing? Uh, very well, Dr. Howard. Lovely to be with you again. It's great to chat to you. Can we start talking uh, about about multitasking? Because I think this is a – it's actually becoming more and more important because uh, I know a lot of friends will say, yeah, I'll watch something uh, on Netflix, but while I'm doing that, I'm busy, I don't know, answering emails and WhatsApping. And we, we, we definitely think we can multitask. Can we? Well – a small percentage of people can, and that percentage is around 2.5% ballpark figure. Mm-hmm. So if you go back 2,000 years, the Hindu mystic Patanjali, a yogic person, said that doing one thing at a time is essential. Maybe people were multi- trying to multitask 2,000 years ago. And more recently, Nietzsche, the philosophy, said in 1887, one thinks with a watch in one's hand, even as one eats one's midday meal while reading the latest news. So Hmm. multitasking, does it work? Well, we've known for a long time that it does not. Each time, for the majority of people, when you're doing multitasking, you're just simply switching your attention from one task to another and backwards and forwards. And each time you do that, there's a cost, and the cost is that your performance decreases. Only a couple of percent of people show no performance decrease when they're trying to do two things at the same time. Everybody else, you just do each of the two tasks badly. And I came across this recently. Now, you know that great philosopher, Dr. Howard Arnold Schwarzenegger? Yes, yes. Yes, I read all of his philosophy books. I watch all of his philosophy movies, actually. He's very deep. I've been reading his book, Total Recall. Yes. And in it, he describes how in his junior years, he would train. And instead of just training for half an hour a day, he trained for four hours in the morning and then four hours in the afternoon. Oh and he'd go into the gym and there'd be a blackboard and he'd wipe it clean and he would do a set of certain exercises and write that down. And there would be no music playing. There'd be no radio playing, no words, no TV. It was just him and his body and the blackboard, and he was just getting feedback by just concentrating on what he was doing 100%. And I think that counts for a lot. There are some people who can multitask, and there are only a few percent of the people, and you see them in air traffic control towers. Now, I've been in a couple of air traffic control towers, and you know, I've just you know, had a guy or two, I've been very lucky. And what happens is that you have this room with these radar screens. Now, the first thing is the multitasking, where each air traffic controller has to be able to deal with a bunch of aeroplanes at a time, not just one, but a couple of them. Mm -hmm. And there's an aluminium rail that goes around this circular room, and in the rail, they have blocks of wood, and sticky taped or stuck into each block of wood is the name of an aeroplane. And then the next controller along who's been dealing with the planes coming in from, say, 200 miles away, I apologize, The in, in aeronautics, you use miles, not kilometers. Mm-hmm. So an airplane is coming in from 200 miles away to 20, and then they hand over the control to you. So the first thing is that you've got a multitask, and you've got three airplanes. And you have to be able to control each airplane. And you don't. And have you heard the phrase, Howard, aluminium rain? No, I haven't, actually. 
so aluminium rain is what mm. happens when one aeroplane runs into another aeroplane and you get bits of aeroplane falling out of the sky, bits of aluminium. And you do not want aluminium rain. Aluminium rain is bad, right? Yes, I would imagine, yes. Okay, so you've got these aeroplanes, you're dealing with three of them. So the first thing is you've got to be able to multitask. The second thing is you need 3D geometry. So one of the aeroplanes is on a slow half spiral coming from 10,000 feet down to 8,000 feet. And in another part of the sky, another aeroplane is going from... 9,000 to 7,000 feet, and, and, and you've got a third aeroplane, and so you've got to have, besides multitasking, you have to have 3D geometry in your brain so that you're quite confident mm. that the aeroplanes won't run into each other. But the third thing is very rare. A lot of people can do 3D geometry and multitasking, you know, a couple of percent each, but the third one is very hard, which is to admit when you're in trouble, when you don't know what's going on. And so I was in the air uh, control tower, traffic air control tower at Sydney Kingsford Smith Airport, and I was just standing in the middle next to the controller, and she was saying, well, just pay attention, just watch what happens. And I could see things were going on. And then suddenly one of the air traffic controllers said, oh, Sue, can you give me a hand? What they really meant was, oh, my God, I'm out of control. I don't know what's happening. (laughs) Help me. I'm in real trouble. Right. And he said, oh, Sue, can you give us a hand? And she said, Sure. And she walked across and they sort of worked through it together and they solved the problem and they didn't have air, they didn't have aluminium rain. So that third property, being able to recognize when you're out of your depth and then call for help, that is the rarest property. And that's what's really hard to find in air traffic controllers. So it can, so it can be, it can be done, but a very limited, a very a few number of people are able to do it, which is also quite interesting because we're spending our lives more and more on these, on these Zoom meetings where, where there's no doubt there is a drop in concentration and efficiency because if your camera's not on, and if sometimes even if it is, you can still be looking at something different uh, on a screen, reading an email or, or, or doing something a little bit different whilst you're in, whilst you're meant to be focused on that meeting. Mm. So in my case, while I'm talking to you, I'm staring out of the window looking at the sky and the only thing that's happening is I'm listening to you. Now, for some people, a conversation is like a game of golf and you just do whatever you want independent of the other person. But for me, when I'm in a conversation with a person, it's a game of tennis. I talk to you. Mm. I listen. You talk to me. I respond, and it goes backwards and forwards. And many people do not listen to other people when they're in conversations because they're multitasking, thinking, oh, I've got to pick up the kids at the home way home. But on the other hand, the car's a bit low in petrol, but I left my credit card at home, but I don't have any cash. And so they're not concentrating on you. They're not living in the moment. And unfortunately, I think this is not good for Sandy. Like some people for them to get sandy is to go and do a triathlon or go into an intensive meditation. But in my case, when I'm loading the dishwasher or I'm talking to another person, that's all I'm doing. That's I'm doing that one thing and I'm doing it well. Absolutely right. And uh, I'd love to hear from you on 34519 or 0618951019. Are you able to multitask? Are you finding yourself more and more distracted whilst, uh, whilst talking to people? 
and whilst uh, con- trying to complete one task. The other, the other conversation that I wanted to have with you, because I think this is, is absolutely incredible, is the good news about Australia and particularly Sydney being the first city to reach the World Health Organization's goal around AIDS. Tell us about it. Well, AIDS began around four decades ago, and it was pretty well a death sentence back then. But with a combination of various treatments, of understanding what was going on, how it got transmitted, um, protective uh, programs, as well as drugs called PREP, standing for pre-exposure prophylaxis, we're getting closer to the United Nations goal, which goes under the name of 95, 95, 95, which means that 95% of all people who have HIV know that they've got it. Mm. Second 95, 95% of all people who have been diagnosed with it are receiving continued and continuing the therapy, the antiretroviral therapy. And finally, that the third 95% is that we should get 95% of all people who are getting this therapy to achieve zero virus by the year 2025. Now, Australia hasn't got to nine, Sydney has not got to 95, 95, 95. It's got 90, 90, 90 by the year 2020 and it's getting awfully close to 95, 95, 95. And so Sydney, Australia, my little hometown has, is the first country in the world to get close to the 95, 95, 95. And AIDS was a terrible disease in that it's killed 40 million people already. It's a massive number. It's a a huge number. And we're being able to improve life expectancy. It's especially bad in Africa Mm, because they didn't get the plague. You, You know that link between the plague and AIDS? No. So beginning in the, well, we've had many plagues, Mm. normally carried by a bacterium, not a virus, but a bacterium called Yersinia pestis. And surprisingly, I think Yersinia is a lovely name. Mm. And I was going to call my first daughter Yersinia, but my wife said it wouldn't be good to say, here, Black Death, (laughs) calling to your daughter, here, Black Plague, come and have breakfast. You know, it's not not a good look. So we didn't. Yeah, no, no, I can't see that going down well. Mm. So. Yersinia arose many times over history, but the big plague, uh, the one we know about was, uh, that's commonly accepted, was the one in the 1300s that went through Europe and killed maybe one in every three people. There were earlier versions of it, you know, with the plague of Justinian and so forth. Now, it never got to Africa. Now, here's the weird thing about it. The way that the plague got into your body on a cellular level was through a receptor on your cells called, I think, CCR5, which by coincidence was the same way that the AIDS virus got into your cells. Now, in Europe, where the plague kept on coming and coming and coming, already evolution has happened, so that there are some people who naturally have resistance to AIDS. They can carry the AIDS virus in their bloodstream, but because they don't have the CCR5 receptor, or they have a modified form of the CCR5 receptor, it can't get into their cells, and they don't get six. At the other end, in Africa, it never got there. The plague didn't get there, 
And so nobody's got any resistance. Right. And so that's why it, it was, just knocked over yeah, people like crazy. Unbelievable. And certainly we've lived with those consequences here in South Africa. Very, very tragic consequences. Um, orphan families, AIDS orphans families. It, it, it's been an incredibly difficult period for many, many South Africans. It is 7.32. Dr. Carl, we are out of time. I do apologize uh, because it really was a fascinating conversation. Many messages. Janine says, should I stop working because this conversation is so interesting? Yes. Uh, Peter says that is a good news story And Charles says So how come women claim that they are able to multitask And men aren't We need to put that question to Dr. Carl Maybe for next week Charles I think it's a very fair, fair comment It is 7.33 Good morning